Welcome. Welcome to Total Retail Talks, your podcast channel for retail knowledge. Hello and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Talks. I'm Joe Keenan, the Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail, and I'm excited to be joined today by Greg Elder, who is the Chief Retail Officer at L.L. Bean. Greg and I are going to be talking about the uh, omni-channel growth plans that uh, L.L. Bean has recently announced, and uh, we look forward to the conversation. So thanks for joining me today, Greg. Thank you, Joe. Happy to be here. So as I noted, I want to talk about the um, recently announced 2023 omni-channel growth plans from L.L. Bean. So to start um, for the audience, maybe you can just give a, a highlight or an overview of what that strategy entails. Yeah, happy to. Uh, on the heels of some really fantastic business momentum these past few years, we're in the position to really invest quite heavily in expanding uh, our presence in, in a variety of ways, and I'll kind of go through them. We announced recently the addition of four new stores, so brick and mortar stores, two north of the border in Quebec, uh, marking our entry into that market, two North American stores uh, north and south of Boston, as well as a translated French website to support entry into Quebec, as well as some exciting new wholesale relationships building on um, some prior partnerships. So happy to go into detail in uh, any or all of those areas. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on each of those. So thanks for kind of laying that out on on a broader perspective. So let's start with the wholesale partnerships. Um, I know that's um, including Dillard's and Moose Jaw as well as uh, some specialty retailers. So let's talk about wholesale. Um, in general and why that's part of L.L. Bean's growth strategy and what the internal process is like for selecting those partners? Yeah, great question. Um, wholesale is quite new to us. Um, we are a brand as well as a retailer. And until recently, the only place to find L.L. Bean products was in our own channels. Um, so we've been exploring this for some time and launched wholesale uh, back in the year 2000 with just a couple of national partners um, and the announcement of some of two new partners. So, you know, it's it's really a fabulous way to support our purpose, which is getting um, uh, more people into the outdoors, to 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 be um, honest with you. you. You look at our stated purpose, and that is to um, equip and enable people to enjoy the restorative power of being outdoors and our own channels. Our brick and mortar stores certainly are an effective way to do that. Our digital channels, our catalog. Um, but now the geographic expansion and the ability to um, get our product in the hands of more people via wholesale partnerships has, has proven to be really, really successful. So happy to announce the Dillard's and Moose Jaw partnership, as well as um, a variety of new outdoor independent specialty partners that would join our existing national partners that would include Nordstrom, Zappos, um, Staples, and Shields. You mentioned um, you know, how we go about doing, you know, making those decisions, and I would say um, very, very carefully. Um, we have a series of goals and guardrails, as well as a variety of criteria in which we consider wholesale partners. And you know, the, the criteria are, are relatively um, commonsensical, but brand fit first and foremost, partners that are aligned with our values and business philosophies, um, uh, partners that will you know, create impact with the brand, um, 
partners that will really help uh, present the brand in a way that would be consistent with how we would want it and how we would do it with our own channels. And then certainly, um, you know, the, the customer focus alignment is a, a core tenant of that. And, and, you know, obviously the, you know, financial viability is a consideration, but I'd say not the primary one to, to, to be, to be frank with you. It's really about getting the brand out into in, in front of more consumers. So I'd imagine this, so we talk about that vetting process before you enter into a partnership with a wholesale retailer, I would imagine that's a, that's a continual evaluation, right? You're, you're watching that and you're, the progress you're making. And so it's not just happening as you enter into a relationship, but it's all, it's continuous as well. Yeah, we really operate the business, you know, with a stakeholder philosophy in mind and choosing the partners and really viewing it as a partnership is absolutely pivotal. And we have said no to a lot of partnerships um, there where there wasn't that that alignment and and, and shared goals. And um, the handful of partners that we've selected, we felt really are a good match for the brand and uh, um, align with our values, our purpose and and, you know, uh, have really meaningful connections. One more quick question on the partnerships, the wholesale partner uh, piece here, Greg. Uh, are you finding or have you found as you've, you, these are two brand new partners, but in your existing partners, that there is crossover between customers that are finding or first engaging with LL Bean, whether it be through Nordstrom or Zappos or some of the other partners, then coming to shop through some of your other channels as well? Yeah, that's certainly one of the objectives. It is, uh, it's very difficult to attribute the movement of a customer from a wholesale partnership to our owned channels. So part of that is, is, is a leap of faith, to be frank. Um, but anyway, again, we can get our products in, in front of more consumers, the better. Yeah. So let's, uh, as we, as you laid out kind of the um, the growth plans, you talked about some of the new stores and, and specifically two new uh, locations in Quebec, which are your first in that market. So tell us a little bit about why Quebec first, and then tell us a little bit about um, how physical stores factor into that future for LLB. Yeah, great question, Joe. Um, we have had a presence in Canada for many years now. We have a uh, .ca website in which customers can shop in the Canadian currency and our partners at retail, the JTEX organization has 13 stores spread across six provinces in, in Canada, but we haven't had uh, the ability to speak to the Quebec consumer in French. And so uh, we're, we've done two things. We've just completed the translation of our site into French for the French speaking customers, um, not just in Quebec, but throughout Canada, as well as um, uh, entering into leases with JTEX in two stores, uh, one just south of Montreal and one just north of Montreal. So uh, the province represents almost a quarter of the Canadian population and uh, you know, a significant percentage of the residents of Quebec speak French. And uh, it just seemed like the natural next extension of functionality to be able to service those consumers both on the website as well with uh, French speaking customer service representatives to service um, them in a way consistent with how we do here in the States. 
And it might not have been a stated goal, but as you enter a new market with a company-owned store like you're doing with two in Quebec, do you foresee or expect to see um, kind of that halo effect in terms of not only, you know, the sales that are driven in store, but also growth in the e-commerce business in that market as well? Yeah, as we see domestically, um, the complementary nature between our digital channels, our catalog channel, as well as our brick and mortar businesses. So it, it's really as simple as uh, showing up and providing the consumer with any and all of the ways that they prefer to shop. And that's very uh, consistent with how we do things down here in the States. So that's actually a good segue into what I wanted to ask next in terms of thinking about your, your stores as kind of the omni-channel hub of the experience as part of, you know, digital and, and catalog and then in-store as well. Talk a little bit about um, how you kind of facilitate omni-channel experiences through your company-owned stores. Yeah, um, we don't have, um, I wouldn't consider kind of by comparison, a huge retail footprint. We have 46 retail stores and 10 outlet stores spread across the country, 19 states currently with ambitions to continue to grow that. We've been on a plan of opening somewhere between one and three stores per year. That's worked really successfully for us. Um, and our stores are just the most fantastic physical manifestation of the brand where we can curate um, from the totality of our assortment to a curated assortment. It's uh, naturally the place where you can touch and feel and interact with the product and speak with an expert. And uh, we can answer all of your questions around trips or travel or any of all your, any and all of your outdoor pursuits. So um, we have of late been investing in significant omni-channel capabilities um, and are near the end of that roadmap, actually, in September or October, we will kind of come to the conclusion of that. And I'm happy to go into, you know, details around those functionalities that we've introduced of late. Yeah, I think that'd be great if you could talk a little bit about some of those new functionalities. Yeah, it started a couple of years ago with really laying out the roadmap of capabilities that we wanted to introduce. And there's, there's really four things. The first was the ability to fulfill a direct channel order from a store. So um, each retailer has different acronyms for that, but we have uh, called that BOSVIS, buy online and, and ship from store. And uh, we're not using stores as a distribution center per se. The logic is to go to the direct channel warehouse inventory first and absent that then to fulfill it from a store. So it's a great way to not have to do a back order or not um, being able to fulfill an order as previously that um, would have shown out of stock. So um, using the fleet of stores in that capacity has certainly been very advantageous for the consumer. That was the, the first capability. The second, which was really accelerated during uh, the COVID period was buy online and pick up in store and enabling the systematic functionality for a much improved customer experience was really functionality two. Just uh, this past month, we've piloted functionality three that will enable a consumer to buy something in the store and through the direct channel in one integrated transaction at point of sale with one dip or swipe of the card, which was uh, previously a, a much more complicated transaction. 
And then the final piece of the puzzle will be um, in-store functionality via mobile devices in which um, all of these fulfillment um, use cases can be um, much more easily enabled from uh, the store associate. So handheld functionality to support all three of those previous use cases. So the, the results have really been um, you know, exceptional in terms of taking pain points out of the customer experience, um, using our inventory more effectively and, and allowing customers to um, you know, do things that have become certainly more and more commonplace out there in the industry. So um, a, a big and impressive body of work for sure. Yeah, no, certainly. And, that, and, you know, you're following the lead of your customer and how consumers are behaving. Um, so those services that you talk about and kind of the omnichannel nature of, of, of shopping today um, necessitates investments in technology to kind of enable those, those services, and, you know, from inventory transparency down to the payments and, you know, the store experience with your, your associates. So talk about that, how that kind of investments in technology as well as people as we, as we think about stores um, how are they being made to kind of facilitate um, some of the things that you're just talking about? Yes, um, you know, there are always competing priorities for resources and technology investments. Our list is certainly long as um, any other retailer is, but when we looked at the competitive landscape with an emphasis on the customer at the, at the center of our ecosystem, um, it was pretty clear that um, for, for all of the reasons around the customer experience and inventory productivity, um, we were able to secure those resources. You know, naturally, there are productivity gains as well that will um, be achieved through this technological enablement, which will help you know, defray some of the costs. But the ROI on these investments um, is really good and, and, and relatively quick. So the, the business case supporting them um, was, was not particularly difficult to um, you know, develop and, and to get enterprise support for. Is there a, a long lead time before, you know, to, from investment until execution, you're up and running with some of these new technologies, a lot of employee training, or is it pretty seamless in terms of, you know, what your timeline look like? Yeah, from start to finish when, you know, a, probably a year of planning and two years of implementation, um, you know, with each of the corresponding use cases deployed. So I was really quite pleased with the speed of which we were able to bring these capabilities to market, um, both with just, you know, incredible world-class technologists here within our organization, as well as the support of our POS partner, Aptos, um, really working together to bring these functionalities together in, in a time period, frankly, that I thought was um, very, very reasonable. Yeah, that's great. Um, looking ahead, uh, you mentioned you've kind of been on a track of, I think, three or so new, three to four new store openings per year. Um, 19 states, I believe you said, Greg. Yep. Uh, as you think about potential expansion and, and growing that footprint, are there certain geographic regions that are targeted or do you kind of double down on some of the markets that you're already in where you've seen uh, successful penetration and engagement with customers? Talk a little bit about that from more of a, a geographical perspective. Yeah, if you look at our current fleet of 56 stores, they are um, 
you know, they're, they're fairly heavily weighted to the New England and the Mid-Atlantic regions with a sprinkling of stores throughout the Midwest and a couple in the West. The past several years, we have been actively infilling more closer to home, um, Massachusetts, upstate New York, you know, areas like that where we've got a heavy concentration of, of Loyal Ella Bean customers. The next phase of growth in concert with wholesale will have us moving a little bit further westward in concentric circles, as well as testing some stores down in the southeast. So you know, there are certainly learnings to be applied vis-a-vis our wholesale partnerships in terms of uh, each of those geographies. So we really view the two channels um, as well as our direct channel as all complementary and finding the right balance of where a market should be left to you know, our wholesale channel and what markets uh, do we feel would be more appropriate for a physical retail presence. And uh, we've got a fabulous uh, in-house built analytical tool that helps us and assists us with those decisions. Um, but as you know, I'm sure it's it's the combination of art and science that lead to the to the right mix. All of those ways, um, again, are just fantastic ways to start to concentrically um, bring the brand to more consumers westward and southward as well. When you think about that and potentially breaking into new markets, does the merchandising strategy evolve based upon where you're going? Or do you think, you know what, here's our core product and, um, you know, we've had success with this product. So thinking about product within some of those markets, does it change based upon where a store is located? Yeah, to date it hasn't, as the furthest south store we have would be in Virginia. So we've been able to date to have success with one uniform product assortment and delivery cadence. Uh, certainly as we begin to test and learn in some Southern states or some Southern geographies, there will need to be some modifications, a bit to assortment, as well as a bit to timing. And that's all part of uh, what we'll learn over the course of the next couple of years as we finalize that store concept and introduce a few into, into those markets. And to your point, you, you know, maybe get a little bit of a head start in terms of the learnings based upon some of the wholesale partners uh, that you have in those areas. So you can kind of start analyzing that data. I'll wrap up with this, Greg. You know, as we as we look towards the second half of the year, and um, I'm just curious from a from a business perspective, maybe even industry wide, is there a trend or or something uh, happening in the market that you're really excited about that potentially applies back to LL Bean? Yeah, there's there's several. Certainly, the outdoors continues to um, enjoy positive business momentum. More and more people are getting into the outdoors, and clearly, that's been widely chronicled and in, in, um, you know, kind of pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID. So that that is certainly a macro trend that we've seen out there, and our brand is exceptionally well positioned to capitalize on that. Um, so that's probably the you know one of the biggest trends that we're seeing out there and and thus um, supports the recent omni-channel announcements and we'll do that again through um, the continued slow but methodical uh, introduction of a wholesale partnerships uh, the retail expansion and and continued investment in our largest channel which is our e-commerce site 
yeah, you know, kind of those measured investments like you talked about and um, really uh, being methodical, but also being wise about the way you're you're moving forward with some of this. So I just want to take the opportunity to thank Greg Elder, who is, again, the chief retail officer at L.L. Bean for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Talks. Thanks for the time today, Greg. Thank you. I enjoyed the time, Joe. Appreciate you inviting me. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Total Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Talks.